Chapter 24 of My Airships by Alberto Santos Dumont. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter 24 Paris as a Center of Airship Experiments after leaving Monte Carlo in February 1902, I received many invitations from abroad to navigate my airships. In London, in particular, I was received with great friendliness by the Aero Club of Great Britain, under whose auspices my number six, fished from the bottom of the Bay of Monaco, repaired and once again inflated, was exhibited at the Crystal Palace. From St. Louis, where the organizers of the Louisiana Purchase Centennial Exposition had already decided to make airship flights a feature of their World's Fair in 1904, I received an invitation to inspect the grounds, suggest a course, and confer with them on conditions. As it was officially announced that a sum of $200,000 had been voted and set apart for prizes, it might be expected that the emulation of airship experimenters would be well aroused. Arriving at St. Louis in the summer of 1902, I at once saw that the splendid open spaces of the exposition grounds offered the best of race courses. The prevailing idea at that moment in the minds of some of the authorities was to set a long course of many hundreds of miles, say, from St. Louis to Chicago. This, I pointed out, would be impracticable, if only for the reason that the exposition public would desire to see the flights from start to finish. I suggested that three great towers, or flagstaffs, be erected in the grounds at the corners of an equal-sided triangle. The comparatively short course around them, between 10 and 20 miles, would afford a decisive test of dirigibility, no matter in what way the wind might blow. While as for speed the necessary average might be increased 50% over that fixed for the Deutsch Prize competition in Paris. Such was my modest advice. I also thought that, out of the appropriation of $200,000, or 1 million francs, a grand prize for dirigible aero station of $100,000 should be offered. Only by means of such an inducement, it seemed to me, could the necessary emulation among airship experimenters be aroused. While never seeking to make profit from my airships, I have always offered to compete for prizes. While in London, and again in New York, both before and after my St. Louis visit, competitions with prize sanctions were suggested to me for immediate effort. I accepted all of them to this point, that I had my airships 
brought to the spot at considerable cost and effort, and had the prize funds been deposited, I would have done my best to win them. Such deposits failing, I, in each case, returned to my home in Paris to continue my experiments in my own way, awaiting the great competition of St. Louis. Prize or no prize, I must work. And I shall always work in this, my chosen field of aerostation. For this, my place is Paris, where the public, in particular the kindly and enthusiastic populace, both knows and trusts me. Here, in Paris, I go up for my own pleasure day by day, as my reward for long and costly experiment. In England and America it is quite different. When I take my airship and my employees to those countries, build my own balloon house, furnish my own gas plant, and risk breaking machines that cost more than any automobile, I want it to be done with a settled aim. I say that I want it to be done with a settled aim so that, if I fulfill the aim, I may no longer be criticized, at least on that particular head. Otherwise, I might go to the moon and back and yet accomplish nothing in the estimation of my critics and, though perhaps to a less extent, in the minds of the public which they sway. Why have I sought to win prizes? Because the most rational consecration of such effort and its fulfillment is found in a serious money prize. The mind of the public makes the obvious connection. When a valuable prize is handed over, it concludes that something has been done to win it. To win such prizes, then, I waited long in London and New York. But, as they never passed from words to deeds, after having enjoyed myself very thoroughly, both socially and as a tourist, I returned to my work and pleasure in the Paris, which I call my home. And really, after all is said and done, there is no place like Paris for airship experiments. Nowhere else can the experimenter depend on the municipal and state authorities to be so liberal. Take the development of automobilism as an example. It is universally admitted, I imagine, that this great and peculiarly French industry could not have developed without the speed license which the French authorities have wide-mindedly permitted. In spite of the most powerful social and industrial influences, and in spite of it being England's turn to offer hospitality to the James Gordon Bennett Cup race of 1903, the English automobilists were not allowed to put their splendid roads out of the public use for its accommodation for a single day. So, the great event had to come off in Ireland. 
in France, and in France only, are not only the authorities, but the great mass of citizens so much alive to their advantage in the development of this national industry that, day by day, year in and year out, they permit 10,000 automobiles to go tearing through the high roads at a really dangerous speed. In Paris, in particular, one sees a scorching average in its great park and its very avenues and streets that causes Londoners and tourists from New York to stand aghast. In this same order of ideas, I may here state that, in spite of the tragic airship accidents of 1902, I have never once been limited or in any way impeded in the course of my experiments by the Parisian authorities. While as for the public, no matter where I land with an airship, in the country roads of the suburbs, in private gardens, even of great villas, in the avenues and parks and public places of the capital, I meet with unvarying friendly aid, protection, and enthusiasm. From that first memorable day when the big boys flying their kites over Bagatelle seized my guide rope and saved me from an ugly fall as promptly and as intelligently as they had seized the idea of pulling me against the wind, to the critical moment on that summer day in 1901 when, in my first trial for the Deutsch Prize, I descended to repair my rudder and good-natured working men found me a ladder in less time than it takes me to write the words, and on down to the present moment, when I take my pleasure in the bois in my small number nine, I have had nothing but unvarying friendliness from the intelligent Parisian populace. I need not say that it is a great thing for an airship experimenter thus to have the confidence and friendly aid of a whole population. Over certain European frontiers, spherical balloons have even been shot at. And I have often wondered what kind of a reception one of my airships would meet with in the country districts of England itself. For these reasons and a hundred others. I consider that my airship's home, like that of my own, is in Paris. As a boy in Brazil, my heart turned to the City of Light, above which, in 1783, the first Montgolfier had been sent up where the first of the world's aeronauts had made his first ascension, where the first hydrogen balloon had been set loose, where first an airship had been made to navigate the air with its steam engine, screw propeller, and rudder. As a youth, I made my own first balloon ascensions from Paris. In Paris, I have found balloon constructors, motor makers, and machinists possessed not only of skill, but of patience.
In Paris I made all my first experiments. In Paris I won the Deutsch Prize in the first dirigible to do a task against a time limit. And, now that I have not only what I call my racing airship, but a little runabout in which to take my pleasure over the trees of the Bois, it is in Paris that I am enjoying my reward in it as, what I once called reproachfully, an aerostatic sportsman. End of chapter 24